It's time for episode 334 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, February 19th, 2020. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast with an 1,800-second countdown. That's right, I did the math. I am Micah Sargent, one of your co-hosts, and I am joined across the internet by Dan Morin. Hello, Dan. Hello, Micah1737, 1736. Oh, this is stressful. I don't know if I can handle it. I don't like it. I don't like it. But you know who I do like? Professional writer. And of course, a podcaster for originality right here on Relay FM, as well as several uh, shows over at The Incomparable. It is Aline Sims. Welcome, Aline. Hello. Hello, hello. And to my left this week, it is a content creator and the host of several podcasts over at Twit, including This Week in Google, Hands-On Photography, and Hands-On Tech. It's Ant Pruitt. Welcome back, Ant. Hey, Mr. Morin, Mr. Sargent, and Miss Miss Eileen. It is time, of course. You know how this podcast works. We've got four topics. We've got 30 minutes, and I will kick things off with mine. After seeing friends and family using Instagram, using Snapchat, using Signal, all these other services for most of their electronic communication, basically apps and services outside of the messages app. I'm curious, what app or service do you use most to communicate with others? Aline, we'll start with you. I think it's got to be a tie between, three-way tie, between Twitter, Instagram, and Slack. And I... um there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just kind of wherever, like there'll be people, there are people I message in Slack and Instagram and I'll have like both conversations going at the same time. Um, it's kind of weird and there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's not like we, we talk about professional things in Slack and we talk about casual things in Instagram or even messages. It's just like following the thread of the conversation on whatever service we started it on. Uh, it's kind of weird. And I don't know, communication is always hard. And I think sometimes the ways that we communicate now living in the future are um, complicated and nonsensical. But that's that's where I do most of my talking. I like that we live in the future. I always feel like I never quite get there. For me, I mean, messages is hands down the, the place I do almost all of my communication. Uh, and that's just because even with people who don't have uh, Apple uh, ecosphere devices, I still use text messages. I guess maybe is that mean I'm old? It possibly means I'm old. Um, <laughs> old I would say yeah, that's right, oldish. Uh, close second to that, I would say is Slack, and that's just because that is, so many of the communities uh, that I interact with have big Slack presences, and so uh, there are definitely a few people I I communicate with almost exclusively in like Slack, like whether it be like a little, um, you know, DM or like a group DM uh, or even just chatting uh, in like a like a Slack channel. I feel like those are some of the most common places I do a lot of interactions. And then I would say a distant third is Twitter. Like I definitely do DM people, but I think uh, so much because of the way that the third party apps have been treated in the Twitter ecosphere and because I use a third party app all day, DMs are, I won't say unreliable, but they are not 
exactly instantaneous oftentimes. Um, so yeah, so that delay there means like that's not really an efficient way to do it, but there are people who I can only get in touch with there, um, or email, which I guess would be the other thing. So email, that's how I know I'm oldish. Aunt, what about you? Uh, for me, when it comes to family, we are, believe it or not, using Google Hangouts. That's pretty much where our chat is. And uh, I get Hangout pings all day long from one of those hard-headed boys of mine or, or the missus or whatever. It's just our little hub. Um, text messaging and all of that, never really got into doing those group text messages or anything. But this seems to work for some reason and been doing it for a couple of years. But now we eventually need to get off of it. Uh, maybe go to Slack or something like that. Uh, who knows? Because Google kills something every other week. <laughs> uh, I will say that, you know, part of the reason that I wanted to ask this question was because I knew, Ant, that you use Google Hangouts. And it, it is a unique uh, use case among the folks that I know. Um I've got friends who do most of their... I, this will always flabbergast me, but f uh, friends who do most of their communication in Snapchat. Yes, the app where those messages disappear after a period of time. What? Why? I don't get it. But, you know, I guess to... I just... No, I'm sorry. I try to understand, but that one I just don't get. Um, as for me, I do do most of my communication in the messages app and will do my darndest to have um, other people meet me there as opposed to using Snapchat or some other horrible thing. Um, but certainly for some of my siblings, Instagram is the place where they do most of their communication, which again, it's just, it's, it's all fascinating. It's all interesting seeing how different people, uh, use different apps for that. But anyway, thank you all for your answers on that. Let's move on to our next topic, which comes from Aline. So I'm pretty sure that we've talked about this before, because every time, every single time I am invited to come on Clockwise, I am sent a link to a Google spreadsheet and I try to load it on my phone. And every single time I can't really do it. And it's, it's, it's a bad, it's just such a bad experience. And I, I know I've talked about it on Clockways at least once before, but let's talk about Google Docs and what, what improvements are they making to their web experience? And when, when are these tools ever going to work on iOS reliably? Because the apps are not great. The experience is not great, but it's a tool. Speaking of communication tools, it's a tool that so many people use to collaborate and communicate with. And it's so, so, so bad for millions of us. So what's going on at Google? When are these iOS apps going to work well? And also, when are they going to get dark mode? Not even the Gmail app has dark mode. So, like, what's up? Wow. Well, I feel, I mean, am I Google here? I don't know what to say. Yeah, uh, you are, Dan. I feel like, what's up, uh, Dan? Or this, not. Is the, uh, this is like how the sausage is made with the show, too. Like, yes, we have a gigantic spreadsheet. Uh, that has been going for many years now. Someday, we'll probably have to cut our losses on that because no one will be able to load it. Uh, I will say I do use the Google apps a bunch on iOS, more on the iPad than on the iPhone, though I have accessed our spreadsheet in the uh, iPhone app. And it's not great, but I find it like usable for the bare bones of what I'm trying to do. It is very slow. 
Um, I, I, you know, since iPad, the iPad OS rolled out last year, I do feel like the experience in Safari uh, has gotten better. It's still not the same as on a desktop. And I would argue that even on a desktop, the experience isn't great because at times I find like if I have that spreadsheet window open in the background a lot, it chews up a ton of resources. Um, so as to when it will get the advancements so desperately needed, I wish I could tell you. I don't know. It doesn't feel like Google actually has a lot invested in Google Docs and Google Spreadsheets and all their apps just because I feel like they believe they're good enough and it's hard to sort of like, aside from having the built-in ecosystem, it's not like they contribute directly to the bottom line. Um, It's not like they're serving up ads, right? So I feel like Google does not give them a lot of attention and that's kind of a bummer, but I also feel like there's an opportunity there for other um, tech companies to be building things that work better. And I'm looking at you, Apple, because iWork could certainly use some improvement, oh <laughs> especially gosh. on the website. What the heck is iOS? Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, tell us. Tell us. Yeah, tell us what, <laughs> we what love is it like over Android on the other readers. side? Um, I... I it's okay. I don't particularly care to use it on the mobile devices because it's a pretty craptastic experience on <laughs> smaller screens. But I'm not what one would call a power user when it comes to using Google Docs. I'm I'm able to get in and, and use these spreadsheets um, just enough to get a job done, if you will. Um, even if it's writing a blog post or something like that in the actual doc uh application, whatever they call it. It's just, I'm pretty straightforward with that stuff. But if I wanted to use Google Sheets, I probably could make a pivot chart or something like that if I really needed to. But most of the time, it's pretty straightforward and, and sort of um, low energy, if you will. So I don't have many complaints about it from a performance standpoint, but I'm also using it 90% of the time on an actual browser and a larger screen and not necessarily trying to use a touch interface. You could probably put together at this point a video compilation of me complaining about Google Sheets uh, because... <laughs> noted, noted. <laughs> <laughs> See, so normally the i don't i don't use the web interface on uh my mobile devices i don't want to use that because we've been told you know if you use the app then it's better you know if you use the app then it's better so i use the app but on ios at least um the the i don't know if it's some sort of time limit or what it is but there's something that causes it to essentially quit being saved in the cache for very long at all. And so I go to a different app to talk about a thing on the show. I come back to Google Sheets and I have to launch the sheet again like an animal in order to talk about the thing that I want to talk about. It's so frustrating. So they need to get that figured out for sure. And they need to get the rest of it figured out for sure. But the fact is, so many of us use this and are stuck with it that it doesn't really matter if they get it fixed or don't get it fixed because there's nothing else out there, at least right now, that can quickly and easily replace these, uh, these apps that we're using. I mean, Clockwise, again, uses Google Sheets. And I don't know, Dan, uh, I can't think of anything else that 
quite comes close. Um, but now I've we're really, just... we're really stress testing it there. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Also, we are, yeah. Uh, but this also reminds me or makes me realize that people are going to now start sending me emails with their thoughts on what app I should use <laughs> instead of Google Docs. So, uh, rest in peace, my email. I know that there are services, there's Quip. Um, there are other things that you can use, like Basecamp, if you're doing this in a, in a, um, like an office environment, but like Google Docs are ubiquitous or Google's services really are ubiquitous. And so any competitor that comes in has really got to hit the market hard. Um, because like Quip has been around for years, but I don't see a lot of uptake on it. Well. No solution, but I do have a different solution for you. And that's Linode, who are bringing you this episode of Clockwise. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode has the pricing, the support, and the scale you need to take your project to the next level. They've got 11 data centers worldwide, including the newest data center in Sydney, Australia, and with enterprise-grade hardware, S3-compatible storage options, and their next-generation network, Linode delivers the performance you expect at a surprisingly good price. You can get started on Linode today with a $20 credit for listeners of this very show, and that gets you access to native SSD storage, a 40 gigabit network and industry-leading processors, nanode plans starting as low as 5 bucks a month, dedicated CPU plans with physical cores reserved just for you, plus, this is exciting, GPU compute plans suitable for AI, machine learning, and video processing, plus so much more. All you do is go to linode.com slash clockwise and use the promo code clockwise2020 when creating a new Linode account. And that's going to get you $20 towards your next project. Oh, and by the way, Linode is hiring right now. So if that's something that interests you, you head to linode.com slash careers to find out more. Once again, that's linode.com slash clockwise or the promo code clockwise2020 at checkout for that $20 credit. Our thanks to Linode for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, Dan, what do you got for us? Well, uh, given the recent talk of malware spreading, especially on uh, Apple's platforms, I'm kind of curious, do you or have you ever run antivirus software or anti-malware software on any platform, whatever platform you use? And is it something that you recommend that your less tech-savvy tech friends and family do? Back in my old IT days and when we were running Windows XP, yes, there was some sort of antivirus and uh, spyware and malware uh, procedures in place uh, at the office as well as at home. Um, but I haven't run any type of antivirus or malware protection in several years now, especially with Windows 10. And most of it's because I, I have so much in the cloud I, I really don't care if I have to wipe my machine. Um, and, and I've done that a gazillion times when I was running Linux pretty regularly at home because I was trying different flavors of Linux. And I just got to the position where most of my important stuff is offloaded somewhere. Um, so the computer could just be obliterated if it needed to be obliterated. And even right now on this machine that I'm sitting at, it's got my creative cloud suite and so forth. But all of that's cloud. So I, I don't really worry about the threats of malware and things like that because I try to watch where I'm going and watch what I open, if you will. And as far as my family support and friends support, I tell them the same thing. Just just be careful and 
put your stuff, you know, somewhere away from the computer if you can and just be prepared to fully wipe the computer if you have to, just as you would if you were uh, had an issue with your smartphone because you'll quickly factory reset factory reset your smartphone. Use that same practice. I, I agree with you. For me, I wipe my machines semi regularly just cause <laughs> um, for for whatever reason. And uh, I I have back in the day same run antivirus, anti-malware, anti-spyware programs, and removed tons of crud because those were the days of LimeWire, folks. And yeah. uh, <laughs> that stuff was just ruining family machines day in and day out. Yeah. Um, these days, no, I don't have uh, to run any anti-malware programs. That said, um, for the sake of keeping my family who some of them run Windows PCs, um, I do have, uh, as part of my, I have the Eero routers and Eero has a, a subscription service that gives you, uh, certain tools and then access to three other, uh, programs, including one password, uh, malware bytes, and I can't remember what the third one is. Oh, a, a VPN service. Um, I have that malware subscription in the event that I do need to help a family member out who might have accidentally installed something. Um, I've found that my family is pretty tech savvy when it comes to, uh, specifically when it comes to sort of picking out phishing and, and, um, malware attempts, but you know, those things can still happen, and so that's ready should they should they need it. I don't run any antivirus software. Of course, back in my Windows days, I did reluctantly, um, especially when I too was um, maybe finding trucks to download things off of. Um, but mm-hmm. now that I am older and more mature. And, um, wiser, um, I'm actually only one of those things, but, allegedly, um, allegedly, um, you pick two. uh, Yeah. I'll let you decide which one. Um, I, you know, I only download things from trusted sources, you know, I download from an app store or from a developer itself. Um, I know that's not necessarily 100% foolproof. I know that there are ways that, that malicious actors can, um, can, you know, I don't know, hack, hack stuff and get in and replace, download and install files and stuff. Like I, I get that it's not completely risk free, but I feel like fairly confident that it's fairly okay to do. Um, and I just like the way my computer runs so much better. Um, don't, don't get, I, I had a family member who had like Norton for iOS and I was like, Oh my Lord, please don't pay $30 a year for that. Um, just like for the ecosystems I'm in, you know, I'm all Mac, I'm all iOS and I feel pretty confident that I'm going to be okay. And if not, um, and your point is excellent. Like I have backups on backups on backups and most of what I do is also in the cloud. So recovery isn't, I mean, it's an annoyance, but it's not the end of the world. Right. Yeah. So, um, I think you guys mostly come down where I am on this, which is I, I've never, never really run, um, anti-malware software on my Mac, at least in the modern era. You want to go back to the eighties and the classic Mac OS. I did have some stuff running in once while when I worked in it, uh, all of our windows machines ran, 
anti-malware software that was you know in the early 2000s when that was a real problem um i hear i haven't used windows in a long time but i hear windows built-in tools have gotten a lot better obviously apple has built-in malware tools and uh, alongside what aline was talking about in terms of downloading things from trusted sources so i actually don't worry even though i do download and install random pieces of software sometimes because that's my job um so i live a little bit on the edge with that um that said i've never really run into a significant problem um and that should not be taken necessarily as sort of carte blanche to go ahead and install whatever you want. But, you know, it is still about being being careful where you download. As for my family, I did at one point, I think, install something for my dad because he was concerned that maybe there was malware in his computer. I don't think there was. Um, but I downloaded something to, you know, some free app from the Mac App Store. I'm not sure how effective it was, but there's sort of like a placebo effect there. <laughs> uh, but other other than that, like, I don't think that there I, I've ever in, you know, certainly suggested any of my family members using Macs run anti-malware software. I think a lot of the threat is still overblown as long as, as Ant said, you're careful about where you go and what you do. Uh, I think you can get by pretty well for the most part and remain safe. But I'm thank you for all your thoughts on that. I found that really interesting. Let us go to our final topic today, which comes from Ant. All right. So as of recording this podcast, Photoshop turned 30 years old. Wow. Photoshop, 30 years old. And it made me think about just the, the life cycle of um, software and apps, particularly mobile apps. And just they can be really, really big one day and then just gone the next and HQ Trivia is one of those apps that was super popular, but now they're struggling to sort of, you know, hang on to their life, if you will, with users and people wanting to play. So my question to you all, is there a mobile app on your phone that you play right now to this day that's, you know, at least three years old? Wow. Mm, no. <laughs> uh, plain and simple. No, um, I don't I don't keep games on my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a phone gamer. Um, and so iOS today is pretty much the only reason why there are any games on my phone at this very moment. Um, but outside of that, no, I just, I don't, I don't go to games for sort of, um, entertainment and uh you know whatever people use games for i know like some people want to sort <laughs> what of do people use games right for? i don't even know <laughs> uh, some people want to pass the time with games some people get literal enjoyment out of games and for the most part i don't get any of those things um and and so it's just uh for for my job that i end up playing games or sheer you know utter curiosity that occasionally a lot of people are talking about a game that I'll play it. So no, I don't have any games on, on my phone that I play that are three years old or even two days old. In real talk, you just essentially said, man, I ain't got time for that stuff. I'm busy. <laughs> see, see, but that is dismissive because some people do like games and they get joy out of it. And they, you know, they, they're, it's not that they're, uh, that I'm more busy than they are. It's that what they choose to do in their downtime is play games. And I don't want to belittle gaming because I think that a lot of people get joy out of that. And that's totally fine. Um, Aline, are you one of them? Um, as we are speaking, I am actually playing patterns on iOS with my um, Apple Arcade subscription. Um, I would like a commission, please, Apple. Um, so, <laughs> like, I I use games as I use mobile games specifically, kind of as fidget toys. 
So, um, I haven't played any game consistently over the last three years, but I'm looking at my games folder on my phone and there are some that I've had for years and years and years that I thankfully are still being updated or at least still work. And um, I return to them often. And so like I'm looking at, um, what is it? 10,000. You must build a boat. Threes, triple town. Threes. Yes. Threes, threes. is a great one. Yeah. Um, you know, it, games that, um, often they're like match threes. Um, I've got match land and cartoon network match on here. So like there are things that, um, that I don't need to concentrate on, but I can just kind of, fidget with while I'm watching TV or recording a podcast or, you know, talking to somebody um, or as a person with ADHD, I need to kind of consciously do things to build dopamine. So when I'm feeling tired or like I can't focus on things, I'll go um, play with a game, play a game that has, you know, great sound design and um, is a little bit, um, you know, just lights up those receptors in my brain so that I can then switch focus and actually be able to focus. But, you know, I do a lot of gaming on my Switch now and I do, you know, gaming on my PS4. So when I'm looking to like play a game, iOS um, mobile is not really the ecosystem I'm going to nowadays. Uh, for me, I would say there's two. Um, one is a game I play every day, which is New York Times Crossword. And I have had that for more than three years. So I that's a pretty regular thing for me. Um, and of course, you know, it's a long running print thing as well. So it's not, I think, as subject to the vagaries of uh, the app market, um, just because it is built on that long running foundation. Um, the other is I actually haven't played it in a while, but it is on, still on like my second home screen. And I played it incessantly for many years after it came out, which was Super Stickman Golf. Um, specifically the third version, which came out in 2016. And I was definitely playing regularly, I think, up through last year. So it lasted about two or three years, far beyond, I think, the point at which most people were still playing it. But I, I agree with the fundamental point of your, your question, Ant, which is that it does feel like many things, especially games, have a very transient uh, lifetime to them, right? It's hard to imagine an app coming out now that lasts 30 years like mm -hmm. Photoshop did. So it's a it's the market has changed a lot. And I think we many of us, especially on mobile, feel like like software is more disposable than it used to be. The game that I would would have would have said was Hearthstone. I think that's how you say it. I played that for quite a while. And I know a lot of people still play that game, um, uh, turn based game. But similar to Mr. Sargent, I don't play games very often because um, I'd much rather spend my time in like Lightroom mobile or something like that. If I'm sort of fiddling around with my phone, um, I try really hard to just put my phone down and find something else to do, like watch some old the office episodes or something like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, alrighty folks, we have reached the end of another episode of clockwise, but before we go, I get to ask y'all a bonus question. My question for you is, do you have a morning routine? If so, what is it? Um, mostly my morning routine is letting my husband have free reign of the apartment until he is ready. And then I get up and putter around because he's the one with a like nine to five job. So 
Yeah, for me, uh, I get up, uh, my, my wife leaves very early for work, so I get up um, and make myself my breakfast. And I've started, you know, over the last six months or so, I've been reading the New York Times uh, newsletter, like daily briefing newsletter every morning as I eat my breakfast. So that's become sort of my new routine. And then I usually go down to the coffee shop for a cup of tea and do some work down there. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much what I do. Ant? For me, I have a set the tone routine, if you will. Uh, every day, I, as I walk down the stairs to go out the house, I have these signs on my wall. Um, one of them starts out, it says, how will you dominate today? Be diligent, be a champion. And I slap that sign. And there's about three other signs that, you know, just give me a little bit of affirmation. Um, basically looking back to my athletic days where we run out of the locker room and you hit a sign to get fired up and get rolling. I actually have a video of that on my Instagram highlights called set the tone. If anyone is interested in seeing it. Awesome. Um, for me, it starts with water, uh, drink some water and then I go into my phone, go into music, find a song that, uh, I want to sort of get me energized and then I get up and dance to the song to get my blood pumping and get rolling for the day. And then usually there's coffee or some sort of caffeine um, and uh, dancing around with the dogs who are all just incredibly embarrassed of, of, of their father. Uh, yeah, so all good answers, all interesting answers. And we have reached the end. Um, all that's left is to thank our incredible guests. And of course, that starts with Aline Sims. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me back. And Ant Pruitt, thank you so much for being here. Oh, my pleasure. I appreciate you guys having me on. And Micah, we will be back next week. But until then, we remind everybody listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>